Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and today we're doing something a little different. I've got two ladies on from the Dynamic Women Radio Series, and in what I'm calling trump loser for a no-holds-barred discussion of all things Donald. The only rules of engagement are to be polite, and that includes you two callers. Say what you will, but show respect, and do not attack anyone's character who are giving their opinions on the show today please. As you know, Frankie Sense is aligned with the United Nations Global Goals, and within four days of becoming president, Donald is already seriously impacting healthcare around the world, and we will speak to these things and more. But first, let me introduce you to my illustrious panel. Sandra Beck, she's the president of Beck Multimedia. I'm so sorry, Sandra. Owner-operator of Moms Incorporated. She's an author, coach, speaker, radio host, entrepreneur, and philanthropist. She runs a virtual empire of successful companies. She also also hosts five radio shows, Military Mom, Powered Up Talk Radio, Dynamic Women, Coach Talk Radio, and Motherhood Talk Radio. She's an active contributor and participant in many charities. Sandra strives to make the world a better place for today's and our future's children, and near and dear to her heart are Toys for Tots, the world of children, and Children Uniting Nation. Linda Franklin is also here with us. She was the first Canadian woman to own a seat on the New York Stock Exchange and manage all male trading department for a leading Wall Street investment firm. After leaving Wall Street, she founded The Real Cougar Women, a company dedicated to educating women over 50 on how to be strong, sexy, and independent. More recently, she founded Shining Service Worldwide, an organization that supports the successful reintegration of military women to civilian life. Shining Service is a special women's project under Beacon House not-for-profit umbrella. Welcome, ladies. Well, thank you for having us. Oh, my gosh. It's, I am so excited that you are here. Oh, is Kathy Crabby with us? Yes. I just Hi, Kathy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, listen, I'm just so honored and privileged. You know I love hanging out with you gals. Oh, wow. This is great. Um, you know, we have pro-Trump and we have, you know, uh, not pro-Trump <laughs> with us today. And you guys can figure out who you are. But I just wanted to talk about all things Trump because it's it's kind of an interesting situation. Five days in from becoming president, uh, Donald's is 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 saying that the biggest fraud in American history has has happened that you know millions of illegal votes on election day uh, were false and were falsified and and even though he is president and he's saying that these votes were you know for Hillary and not for him uh, he's making an issue out of it now why would he make an issue out of it and if it's true as Joy said on you know Joy Bahard said on on the View let's have a redo. Anybody, take it away. Jump in, because the one thing we can count on for Donald Trump is to make a big stink about everything. There is (laughs) not one thing the man can talk about without having a hissy fit. I mean, every single photo you look at him, he's mouth open like a big, giant, large mouth bass, and he's yelling about something. 
And I am, for one, glad because it gets people talking. We wouldn't have this show today without his big mouth. And whether you like him, love him, hate him, ignore him, he stirs the pot. And I'm so glad that the American people, including myself, are finally waking up and talking about real issues, real problems, and not what's going on on Dance Moms. That's my rant. (laughs) Anybody I'm saying amen to that. I, I think it's, we, well, on the, in, among these women, we all love to visit and we love to be polite with each other about it. But mm-hmm. our culture has become so polarized. I really think we need to be instructing our children how to, and, and actually anybody we can get to listen, how to have a conversation without being so painfully dogmatic. Linda Franklin. Oh, my God. Well, talk about painfully dogmatic. I mean, you're talking about the man. I mean, he is, all the things that he's done since he's been president and God knows how long before are all political theatrics. I mean, he's there and he's had these photo shoots and he has, you know, he's putting all of these executive orders in. I mean, you know, we all know that all of those things are not going to happen. But any anything to make Donald look good, it's all about Donald, that press conference on on. Uh, on Saturday night about about the inaugural crowds. I mean, I felt yes. very sorry for Sean Spicer, and I don't know why somebody just doesn't speak up or what, and say something, because whoever did that speech or is advising him ought to be fired because they're out of their minds. I thought he wrote that himself. <laughs> it's really kind of funny. He's like a little boy, and he has to, and, and all of the little players, all the, you know, he has to have all the marbles on his side. It's really funny to to listen to him. He is obsessed. He's obsessed, you know, that that he didn't have the popular vote. Although today, I mean, I was listening to an interview last night where he said, um, "I did have the popular vote. I did. If you know, without Hillary cheating and, and having these extra votes that you know went to her, I did have the popular vote. Who cares? Like they're going, who cares? You're president. Why are you making this an issue? I, well, and I just go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Kathy. Well, what I was going to say is, I I think we're going to see the next four years. He's either going to be able to deliver on some of his promises, in which case. I think next time he will win the popular vote because our country has really, at least where we are, I know Texas is somewhat in a bubble economically, but we've really felt the this recession that we've been in, in Texas even. And I, so I feel like if he makes some of the changes, like I, I personally love the way he met with the union bosses and also the executives from the car industry. I like it that he brought everybody. I know they didn't come to the table together, but I like that he was reaching out to both sides of that conversation instead of just picking a side. Let me ask you something, Kathy. Um, yeah. Does it does it scare you or bother you that possibly, you know, allowing organizations and 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 taking down some of the uh, red tape that that stops people from coming in and, and building and starting an organization that will hire potentially millions of people. Um, but you have pollution issues. Does that bother you that with car companies yeah. that there's possibly pollution that, you know, um, for me, that, 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 that could all those stats and everything, they're just going to go out the window and they say, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever it takes, make money. I mean, for me, I'm kind of a true conservative in that, but I'm also pragmatic. i I really love the balance of taking care of this world that we live on and still remembering that families need income, they need jobs, they need work. So 
to me, I like, I, I really like kind of a moderate view, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't like extremes in either direction. I'll just put it that way. I like to be somewhere close to the middle where we're being very practical, very compassionate, and and also conservative in, in the way we use our resources. So, so I'm probably some kind of a hybrid. I, I don't, I don't prefer one party over the other, except that I do tend to lean toward, uh, I'll just tell you because of my experience with abortion, I tend to lead toward anything that makes pro-life and the life, the idea of life more secure. I, I kind of like that. So I think on, on, for some people that might seem very conservative, but for myself, I think of myself as very practical. Sandra. I look at the country, the big disasters that we're in. We need a business mindset to to get us out of this. And, you know, I've always felt, you know, with a lot of charity work that I do and a lot of the companies I work with, that the charities need to be run like a business. Our, our, our country needs to be run like a business. So, okay, we've got a good businessman that's going to do it. Does he have his flaws? Absolutely he does. But I think there's also all this hysteria. It's like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Donald Trump said something. It's like, big deal. He's got a big mouth. He shoots his mouth off. This isn't an oligarchy. This isn't a monarchy. It's, he's not going to like you know put a gavel down and, and, and immediately change the laws. We do have checks and balances in this country. We do have voices. We did get out and march. And you know what? We might have to march every week if that's what it takes. But the guy's only been in office five days, and, and everybody acts like the sky is falling. I don't think it's going to be as successful as Trump says, but I don't think it's going to be as big a disaster as the naysayers say. Linda? I'm, I mean, I'm listening, but, you know, I, I just – I listen, I have nothing against Trump being president. He's going to be president, and we're going to see. I don't like the man. I think the man is a blowhard. I don't think the man is real. I think the man has got some really, really bad issues. I mean, I, I watched the inauguration. My husband wouldn't even watch it on Friday. But I watched the way he got out of cars, leaves his wife at the, at the curb, goes up and, and shakes Obama and Michelle's hand as they're leaving. And, and she has to trot up the stairs on her own and present him with this big Tiffany box. I mean, Michelle looked like she was going to fall off the stairs. The man... I mean, what you see is not what you get. He's not real. And the way he treats women is so atrocious that, I mean, including his own wife. I mean, I bet you she couldn't wait the hell to get out of there and get back to New York because I don't know how she can, how she can possibly stand being around him. So it's the, you know, let's see what he does. I'm willing to give him a shot to see how much of this actually helps the country. But as far as the man goes, I think he's, I think he's pitiful. Well, I, I want to bring up the two points. First, the march. I mean, the women's march. He, you know, he he was upset that the women's march had more people had more people in attendance than his own. So he exacerbated the numbers and and made his two hundred fifty thousand to millions, which is good for you. Okay, we're we're happy for you. The other is is the abortion issue that you just brought up, Kathy. Um, you know, with the gag rule that he just implemented, the you know the World Health Organization, HIV, CDC, Peace Corps, they stand to lose nine billion dollars if they do not, if they mention the word abortion at all ever, and they're required to sign a bill to that effect. The global health world is reeling right now, and the and, you know these implications are potentially enormous. 
Anybody? We got one minute to break. Um, you know, you can I, think about that. For a I think I, I, I just think he's going to set back women, uh, you know, back to the dark ages, and I think that's, that's a horrible thing. I don't know. He's going to appoint people to the Supreme Court, whether or not they get in. I know there is another side, so you know they may stall it like the Republicans did when Obama put in a nominee. But you know, the whole thing is is it's theatrics. I mean, he, I, who knows what he really believes because he keeps changing his mind. One day he's this, and may, one day he's that. So it's very hard to believe anything he says. I think it's an important issue. I hope when we come back from the break, we will talk about it some more. Absolutely. We're going to talk about it some more. We're going to go to a commercial break very soon. Uh, You know, contentious. There's issues, both sides, likes, dislikes. It's great. and And it does make for conversation and it does make for, you know, reasonable conflict, but it doesn't mean that hate has to you know, we have to hate one another. It means that we can discuss and talk like reasonable human beings. And we're going to show you how to do that when, as soon as we come back. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Did you know a dentist invented the first electric chair? Just thinking about going to the dentist makes me feel like I'm headed for death row. What's a word for the fear of a dentist? Odontophobia. Bruxomania is another word for the compulsive grinding of one's teeth. Early toothbrushes were twigs with frayed ends. Toothpaste in a tube was made available to the public in 1892 and was called Dr. Scheffel's Cream Dentifrice. Now Americans buy 14 million gallons of toothpaste every year. In Mexico, the tooth fairy is called the tooth mouse. Half of all Americans say that a smile is the first thing they notice about a person. It's easy to spot a person with a fake smile, otherwise known as an exodesiast. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. For the 19th consecutive year, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular dog in America. We used to own a yellow lab, and she was constantly jumping up and knocking things off the coffee table. I guess labs can be a bit clumsy at times. What are other words for clumsy? Homelty jumelty and humperty clumperty. Rounding out the 10 most popular breeds in America are German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Golden Retrievers, Beagles, Boxers, Dash Hounds, Poodles, and Shih Tzus. Dash hounds actually make a good pool toy for little kids because they've already been stretched. Apparently, beagles can be difficult to train as they can be haber-glabber or strong-willed. Why is it dogs get annoyed when you blow in their face but take them for a ride in the car and they'll stick their head out the window? I'm Carolyn Davidson and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's Frankie Sensen Moore, it's Trump a loser, it's Kathy Cravey's here, Sandra Beck is here, Linda Franklin is here, and even our own producer, Karina is Karina Love is here. And Karina, I'm just gonna bring you on for a moment because you know I know that you're from Texas, just like Kathy, mm-hmm. and you were involved with the League of Women's Voters. You're the VP, in fact, for yes. your for your for your region, right? Yeah, well, for the um, organizational part, which is basically I um, I just make sure that the meetings happen. And if somebody comes into town, I book that and then I um, work on memberships. I'm over the memberships. So you, I know that you personally were not a Trump voter. Yes, this is true. <laughs> you're young. You're young. For you know, you're a millennial. Privacy. Why? Why? 
What made you not want to vote for Trump? What were the issues? Um, well, part of it was just, I didn't, I didn't, or I don't really share the same values that he does. Um, and just like the different things, well, actually just the parties really. Um, but I do sometimes, I'm kind of like Kathy, I kind of pull from all parties and there's just Mm -hmm. different things that, um, that I do agree with and I don't, that, and that I don't really agree, agree with, but, um, I think it's just like a personal issue especially with his um executive order of um the abortion law or not law mm-hmm. but the um thing that the gag rule fine. yes mm-hmm. and um and i just know like some people um personally that have had to struggle with the um options of either um getting an abortion or um putting their child up for adoption which the child may or may not be adopted and would be into the um system which I am definitely not, I don't like the system and I think it should probably change to something Mm -hmm. a little bit different. Um, or just, you know, if, um, I guess if, if like pro-life and whatnot, if, if like we could all just kind of get together and just like figure out what to do with the system, because it's just horrible. I've had friends that, um, I went to high school with that they were in foster care and, or they are just part of the system and they just had a really hard time. And I don't know. It's just like either something has got to change or we just have to get together and just figure something out. But, um, but with the, the legal women voters, it, that is a nonpartisan, um, um, organization. And we are, Definitely um, for like women's rights and votes and just kind of getting the information out there to everybody about um, each candidate and all that goodness. But yeah, they're, they're very nonpartisan. Um, but other than that, from my point, I, it's just personal views, different things, but um, willing to give, give them a try just to see what's gonna, going on. But yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, you know, Sandra, I know that you that we talked the other day, and you and you know you're pro and you're pro Trump, and you're maybe not pro Trump too. But you said that you did some work for him, and you got paid, and so this issue of you know him not paying workers uh, in your in your case wasn't true. You you were well, treated fairly. That's the thing. It's like you know we can all go through our lives and experience people in their good and bad moments. And when you look at somebody like Trump, you know he's almost like a mythical feature or a mythical figure you can't even imagine as linda said like how can melania be married to him well Mm -hmm. she's she sees a side in him you know that we don't see she's she's the one that lays down with him at night and who knows maybe he's a big teddy bear in his personal life i dated a navy seal commander that was like a tub of goo he was like a marshmallow when he stepped out of his role of being a navy seal commander and i'm like oh my god you're such a puss like in my house and so you know we don't know these things but one of the things that i will say and i encourage everybody to look this up there's a thing called the socratic method and that's Mm -hmm. where you it's like a form of argumenting dialogue between people and it's based on asking questions and making inflammatory statements to stimulate critical thinking and to draw out all these different ideas and underlying presumptions. And one of the things that Trump does, and, you know, I'm pro-Trump in some ways, I'm anti-Trump in a lot of ways. You know, he's a complex human being, but one thing he really does great is he takes that hot poker, sticks it right in the middle of the, the, the log and shoots the flames up and everybody reacts. And when I 
field through all the reactions of Kathy Kraftke, of, of Linda Franklin, of Frankie Picasso, or anybody on the news, there's always in there something that makes me think. And anybody who can make a population think really gets my, he didn't get my vote, but he gets my support. You know, I, 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 I look at him and I think, you're just a shit disturber. That's all you are. You, you thrive on controversy and he loves it. He lo- you can see it in his face. He just loves it. Let's, let's talk a minute about, you know, the, his report to, to move the uh, American embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Like, that is just a real shit disturber move. Like, there's no reason for it except to get everybody upset, Jews and, you know, Palestinians. Um, why? You know, like... Jerusalem is sacred to Jews and Christians and Muslims around the world. That it needs to stay that way, I think. Um, so why would you why would you do that? Why would you poke that beast? Is that not is that especially not a, five days in? Is that not an endorsement of what uh, Jer, Jer, the Jewish people, the Israelis want? I thought they wanted their capital. No, to they be- don't. They want it. They want it to stay in Tel Aviv because they know that it's just going to promote more hatred in the Arab world if it moves. They know that. Maybe his son-in-law wants it. You know, I mean, he's all, he, to me, I mean, you know, you look at nepotism <laughs> thrives. But uh, I will tell you that in the process of deciding who I would vote for in this last election, one of the things that comforted me was the fact that he has a Jewish son-in-law that I felt he respected. And for me, I'm, I was just ready for our allies our alliance with Israel to be strengthened. I, I felt that it had deteriorated over the last few years, and, and I'm not comfortable with that. I feel that Israel being a democracy is a excellent ally for us in the Middle East. So I'm not saying they're the only ally we should have there, but I am saying I think I, I find that to be one of the best things about Trump. Interesting. Anybody else? Linda? You know, it it remains to be seen. I know that uh, Netanyahu and and, uh, Obama didn't have a very good relationship, and um, and I know that he and now Trump has invited Netanyahu to to come to Washington in uh, in February, and and we'll have to see. I mean, that you know, if Trump thinks he is going to fix the Middle East because he's Trump, I mean, it's been it's been at war for God, you know, for for centuries. So I. I don't yeah. know what he's going to do. 2,000 years. I, 2,000 years. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and he thinks, you know, that, that that's it. He thinks that he can go in and fix all of these things. But this is his political theatrics. He, he is... It, he just spouts off, and 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 he gets everybody in a tizzy, and God knows what's going to happen. So I don't know. You know, we'll, yeah, look, are we'll scary. just have to wait and see. <laughs> But you yeah. know, every day is 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 a photo op, and and that's you know that's pretty scary stuff. It's interesting that the wall the wall has now come up. He says that you know um, we're going to start putting putting the wall up probably within the next month. The wall is going to go up. Yeah, America is going to pay for it in the beginning. Uh, Mexico will pay for it in the end. He said Mexico. The Mexican president uh, says he's not going to pay for the wall. He goes against. He says it goes against the dignity of our country and our people. And Trump goes, yeah. Um, he has to say that. He goes, it'll be paid. It may be a complicated form of payment, but it will be paid. Now, how yeah. big? Was that as part of the uh, your voting? Well, I, you know, 
Let me let me just talk about the first of all the Mexican president who was supposed to go to Washington last uh, next week just canceled the trip so he's not coming mm-hmm. and you know and it's really you know the people that have emigrated from or, or you know crossed over from from uh, illegally from from Mexico over the years has really declined uh, a lot and a lot of the people that are coming in illegally are not even Mexicans they're coming from other you know uh, they're coming through other countries through Mexico into the US so mm-hmm. I mean again it's just it's a lot of stuff he, he the thing about Trump is he just spouts off and he doesn't have his facts and you know that's been through the campaign and you yeah. know the fact check fact check fact check and he doesn't have his facts so I don't know I don't think the wall's gonna happen sorry that's okay. That's okay. I'm not sure what's happening with our sound, but, but. It's like Zod. you know, like the, you know the Superman movie, like Neil before Zod, you know, and yeah. he just stands up there and says what he wants. But you know, it's up to us. Like our, I'm going to be like my freedom beater and my congressional, you know, and and democratic everything right now. But our country is founded on the ability to challenge our government. It is not just our right, but it is our duty and obligation to challenge our government when it is not right. So that's what we're doing. And, you know, Trump doesn't perform in a vacuum. And you could take the photograph of him with his big mouth, you know, and his scowly face, just, you know, that that picture. (laughs) We could run that same photo for the next 25 years and it, it'll never change because that's who he is. That's his theatrics, but it's our job. And this is, I think Trump is America's wake up call. I don't think it's about making America great with him. I think it's about making him great, but you know what, if we want to poke the beast and make Donald Trump angry so that he can prove us wrong and he can make America great just to prove us wrong when we say he isn't, go for it, buddy, because you've bitten off a big piece of pie. We expect you to chew it. We expect you to not let us down because you're the one who will be the fool in the end. And working with that guy, he doesn't want to play the fool. So I'm guardedly hopeful that he's going to do what he says he can do because his ego will not let him fail. Well said. <laughs> Kathy, do you have something to say? Well, I, I mean, what I, I think I interrupted earlier, what I started to say is on the topic of the wall, I was really surprised in Texas how much traction that had because I personally have so many friends from all walks of life. And I, I knew to me, it's somewhat disturbing, I guess, because I traveled in China during the seventies. And mm-hmm. my fear has always been, well, if you, if you build a big chain link fence, you can keep your citizens in as easily as keep other people out. So I felt the wall was not a top topic that was going to gain much traction, but I, I was wrong about that. People here in Texas are very frustrated with the way it's working. Of course, I was hoping they would deal with some of the other social issues. I, I loved what Karina said earlier about our foster care system here in Smith County. We're just, we're just uh, burdened with so many children who can't find forever homes. And Mm -hmm. so, so I, I think it, I would just say on abortion, on foster care, on the wall, on immigration, on illegal immigration, which are two separate things in my mind, and on jobs, these are very complex issues. And so if they are, I'm going to have to stop you. I'm sorry, because we're oh, going to go to another commercial break, Kathy. But sorry. keep that thought. We're gonna, when we come back, we're going to talk about those. 
those issues and more. Don't go anywhere. Go to the bathroom, but then come back. Make sure you do that. Warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Depression is very real and prevalent. It has been said that close to 20% of Americans are likely to suffer major depression at some time. The good news is that exercise helps ease depression and is one of the best ways to fight it. Working out releases endorphins and neurotransmitters that make you feel good. It reduces immune system chemicals that can worsen depression. Exercise also has many emotional and psychological benefits. Working out is a distraction that gets your mind off of negative thoughts and depressing feelings. By focusing on your workout, you can get out of that negative cycle and concentrate on your fitness. By accomplishing exercise goals, you can boost your self-confidence. Getting in shape can make you feel better about your appearance, and that helps too. If you are battling depression, you have even more of a reason to work out. Feeling good awaits you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky crooky of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Hey, you're listening to Frankie Stenson Moore. I am Frankie Picasso. This is a show where anything goes. Sandra Beck is with us from California. Kathy Crafty, you heard last from Texas. Linda Franklin is from New York. Kathy, um, I said when we came back, we would pick up your thought. Well, I, I was just going to finish by saying I th- I'm with Sandra on this. I, I had reservations about some of Trump's attitudes toward women. Mm-hmm. And that's just putting it kindly, but I also I also love the way he, I I'll say this I, years ago somebody told me I was kind of provocative and I, I I was kind of horrified really knowing my background I was like well I've tried to overcome that but she meant I was a provocateur like stirring up conversation and and I think I think Trump has a real gift for that and our country has been so divided that we couldn't even talk. So on that point, I think I really admire him for getting the conversation heated and there's, you know, the more brains in the room, the more brains involved in the conversation, the more likely we are to find good solutions. Well, I want to talk about the misogyny for a moment because I, I, might personally find it rather despicable. And there was a there was a thing going on Facebook where Obama was talking about his daughters and he was saying how educated and, and intelligent and kind they are. And and Trump just talks about, you know, his daughter's boobs. Like, I mean, there's a difference. There's a huge difference in in being respectful towards women. Um, like Sandra you mentioned, you know, with the, the wife being left at the curb. You know, one thing I will say about my husband is 
he always opens the car door. He even puts my seatbelt on to, on for me. Ten years later, he's still doing it. And, you know, that's a really nice thing. And when I see a man being so disrespectful to women, um, women's issues, yes, I know that it was important for you for the pro-choice, but, um, or, or, you know, but, but here we go. Now, or, you know, organizations, huge organizations, health, world health organizations around the world are going to lose out because of that one word. Like, it's insane. All right, well, I'm going to jump in here go. and say, I think he's a pig, okay? He's a pig. He always will be a pig. He's never going to change. He's always going to be a pig. But I would rather have a man walking around as a pig so that I know what I'm dealing with and I know what to watch out for than somebody who pretends to have these great respect for women and really doesn't. Because I think all of us have experienced that. It's better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And nobody's going to come to this position perfectly. You know, if Hillary had come to this position or Trump come to this position, and there's always going to be upsides and downsides like there are to every human being. I will say at least Donald doesn't hide who he is and he doesn't hide his failings, which means I can deal with that, but I can't deal with what I don't know. But Sandra, here's a man who has the highest office in the country and he's a pig. Okay, you might know he's a pig, but he's still a pig. Clinton, I thought, was a pig. And he always had a smirk on his face that looked like he was hiding a dirty secret to me. And yes. I, wanted to ask, I wanted to ask you ladies, you know, with, with Hillary losing the election, somebody had, had said to me that the other day about it, and I said, you know, well, how come she didn't get the ladies' votes? And I, and I said, you know, maybe some women, I don't know, maybe some women were disturbed about the fact that she traded in, you know, a life in office for kicking her husband out for being an adulterer nationally on TV. Like, did that piss anybody off? I, I don't think that's why she lost an election. I think she lost an election because she, she was too, they were too cocky and they believed that they couldn't lose the election and she didn't reach out to the people that, um, like Trump did. Trump was out there every day. He was talking. He was, he was doing his thing. He was getting these crowds and she wasn't doing that. And I think that's what lost the election. Of course, you know, all these emails and the FBI didn't, didn't help her. But, right. um, I, I, I think the main reason was that she, she wasn't relatable, and she really didn't have a very firm, um, you know, he was, he came, I mean, he's, he's a branding master, you know, let's make America great again. He was doing that, you know, and, and the Democrats, they had, they really had nothing. They didn't have anything that was really firm and solid that people could really, you know, get their teeth into. Um, so I think, you know, she lost the election. Is it sad? Um, yeah. But, you know, there's one thing I do agree with Sandra, and that is um, we needed this. We needed this kick in the ass. We needed this uh, upheaval, uh, however it's going to turn out, and it's going to be a wild ride uh, that we are going to maybe finally get our eyes open to to what we've come to in this country and, and really then find solutions how to fix it. Let me ask you something. What if what if Mexico does what what um, uh, Cuba did and and doesn't allow Mex uh, Americans in? You know, us Canadians loved Cuba. We got to go there. It was cheap. It was a wonderful holiday place to holiday. Oh, forget but that. I, I, I mean, I think one of our you know that 
that's not going to happen. But I think that the thing that you know that that's really pretty dangerous right now is is uh, our relationship with China and of all these that's goods true. that are made in China and the exports and imports going back. And he's going to import. You know, if you had do business in China, he's going to uh, put on excise taxes of it coming back into this country. So iPhones might be twenty five percent higher than they than they are now. I mean, how's that going to uh, you know? Go, you know how's that going to play well, in Peoria? I don't think people are going to be very happy. And you know, meanwhile, you know, China's pissed. I mean, I I think. Yes, I agree that the, America has been too lenient on, on all of our trading partners, but there has to be some moderation. Um, and you can't – I mean, I mean, China we, – we are very important to China, but China is important to us, too. So, how, you know, it's – hopefully we can fix these things, but, you know, we, we can't be that dogmatic about it. There's got to be some sort of compromise. I, I kind of don't believe that Americans are going to like American-made when they have to pay American-made prices. I Personally, I don't think so. We got too used to playing, you know, paying cheaper prices for things. And um, how many how many businesses are going to go out of business when they have to start paying, you know, thirty five dollars an hour, forty dollars an hour for American who won't work for twelve or thirteen dollars? That's right. And 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 if we we start slapping on a tax like they do in Canada, what's it called? The yeah, GMT tax. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, the GST. Yeah, fourteen yeah, percent we pay. I, I, yeah, I don't think the Americans are going to be too happy with that, and I think that popularity will turn very, very quickly if that happens. He's big, he's good for big business, you know. I, you know, a lot of the corporations when the when the big taxes are going to uh, the corporate taxes are going to come down. You know, I don't know. You, you saw what's been happening on Wall Street since since he's been. I mean, we crossed over twenty thousand yesterday, and he's taking credit for all of it. Uh, but I think reality is going to set in, and we're just going to have to wait and see. But um, you know, some of these things sound very good in theory, but I don't think that they're you know they're in actuality they'll work at all. Kathy, you want to speak about small business? Yeah, we, we're small business owners here in Texas. We're in the oil industry. And I will tell you, we've been, we feel like we've been double taxed for a while now. We're, so the talk of, of reducing taxes really sounds good to us. We're taxed on our small business, which is just a small family-owned company. It's not, we're not big people. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we also are taxed at home and and everywhere else, you know, sales tax and everything. We don't even have a personal income state tax here in Texas, so we get some relief from that. In that, but we also have all the local taxes for our schools and so forth. But anyway, so for us, the talk of reducing taxes, everybody says that's going to help big business. But I will tell you, I have talked to people from all walks of life and all ethnic backgrounds. And that is one reason people voted for Trump in this last election, because small business owners are feeling swamped. Let me ask you about real estate taxes, because I know, you know, prices around your country vary you know, greatly, uh, depending upon what state you live in, you can buy a house or you can't afford to buy a house. California, it's really hard to buy a house, I think, Sandra. They're really, really expensive for not a whole lot of stuff. What kind of what kind of property taxes would you be paying, let's say, for in Texas for maybe a 2,000-square-foot home? Oh, that's a good question. I, I honestly don't know. I can't remember. I think my – I have a – I have a piece of property I pay taxes on, and my bill's probably coming due, but I hadn't looked at it this year. But I'm uh, so just guessing if I if that property is worth a hundred thousand, I'm expecting to pay a thousand dollars on taxes on it this year, but I'm not sure about that. And I will tell you, difference it differs whether you're talking about your homestead, which is exempt in 
in Texas um, from lawsuits, but you still have to pay taxes on your homestead. The tax laws here are a little bit complicated in my mind. Maybe they are everywhere. That's one of the things people are really tired of. But as far as the difference between properties, like here you can get an agricultural a different, you have a different tax right. bracket for people. Yeah, it's easier to buy agricultural, I think. Yes. But people it's, around, like I'm from Canada, I live in Canada. You know, many young people can't afford to buy a home. It's like 25% down now in order just to get a mortgage. You have to have that money. Is it the same where you live? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll jump in for California yeah. and say, I pay almost $800 a month on my property tax alone. So that's like a mortgage in other parts of the country. Right. But I'm, I'm just going to jump in here and tack back for a second and let you know that as a California small business owner, I'm a single mom with two kids and an 80-year-old dad running a technology company. And my company is taxed so heavily and things are so expensive. My health insurance went through the roof. My coverage went down. And the stimulus that was out there in the past was not there. And it was extraordinarily hard to make a living. So home payment, home health care, all these things have, have skyrocketed beyond what the small businessman can afford. And it's crippling. Yeah, I think that health care is a very big deal. If you had it told is. me 30 years ago when we got married that our health care, our health, our private health insurance that we pay for would be more than our that our house payment every month, I, I would have just laughed. I mean, I could not imagine that. I, I And just back to that question of can young people afford homes in Texas, I think we're still on the lower end of what it costs to have a home here, to buy a home in Texas is on the lower end of the scale mm-hmm. compared to some other states. And so we're still a good buy for young people. And, and the young people I know – we have a really amazing university system here, especially in Smith County. So education is pretty prevalent, and it's available to almost, I mean, really, one of our junior colleges here has the mandate. They have to take everyone and then get them up to speed so they can go to college. So we've really got that very, our Texas legislature has done a really good job on that. So education is high, and in my mind, and available Education then, is high in my mind too, Kathy. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. What I mean is a high percentage of the population have access to education. The numbers are high on those who can access college educations here. It is expensive though. Well, that's, that, that's another thing. You know, I mean, America has, has come down the scale in education as far as where it ranks in the world. Um, we're going to, I want to talk about that when we come back. We're coming back in about 30 seconds. But, you know, what kind of debt are your kids walking out of school with and how are they starting their life? And that's something I think is really important to talk about. So when we come back, we'll talk about education. We'll talk about anything you want to talk about. You can give us a call if you want, 903 787 5887 or. Linda Franklin, you've been quiet for a moment. Uh, maybe you should jump in as soon as we come back. Think about something. Take care, everybody. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's marching down I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee, so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. 
Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's words you never heard. If you're like me, every year you wonder how you're going to dispose of your live Christmas tree. In the desert climate around Reno, Nevada, Christmas trees that are left outside won't decompose. They will just get drier and drier, eventually becoming a serious fire hazard. Vince Thomas, the founder of Goat Grazers, a goat herding business, is now using his 40 goats to help recycle Christmas trees. Hey, I'm not kidding. We all know goats are known to eat just about anything. Thomas used dendrology, or the study of trees, to discover the trees are a natural dewormer for goats, and the pine is very high in vitamin C, so it's healthy for them as well. What's a word for the pine needles that fall off a Christmas tree? Diddle Dees. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and for more words you never heard, check out my podcast at wordsyouneverheard.com. And we're back. It's Frankie Sense and more. Sandra Buck is with us. Kathy Kravke, Linda Franklin. Linda, you are Canadian. Um, you're in America. Now, and you know, on our break, you were talking to me about let's talk about Canada. Let's see, people think, oh, you got free health care, it's so wonderful. We do have free health care, and you know what? It is really nice to be able to go to a hospital and not have to pay out the Yazoo. I wonder how so many people in the United States, you know, they don't they lose their homes after going, you know, you have to be in a hospital for a week. My gosh, it's crazy. But well, I know, um, and now we. Uh, yeah, and now Go Trump's going over, you know, he's going after the drug companies because, our, you know, the price of prescription drugs here is crazy. A lot of Americans are going across the border to get their drugs. But, you know, it's not Nirvana. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm from Canada, so I, I have a little bit of an understanding of it. And you, you guys are taxed up the yin-yang on, on everything because somebody's got to pay for the health care. There's no free lunches. So, I mean, health care is a problem. Obama came with Obamacare. Um, at least, I mean, he got... Uh, he got millions and millions of people on on uh, on uh, a health care program that never were on before. Uh, I understand how how it, it was okay, and then the premium started to skyrocket. But here he he now Trump is coming in and says, okay, we're going to you know abolish it. And then he said, no no no, we can't abolish it. We're, we'll amend it. And now uh, you know as of this morning, uh, there's there's no timeline on this. But he promises that that no American shall go without health care. So you know if. If, if it was an easy problem, they would have done it, you know, years and years ago. It's a tough problem, and our our society is getting older. Healthcare uh, costs are, are are crazy. So, you know, I don't know. I hope that there's some very, very smart people there that are going to be able to figure this thing out because, I, you know, I hear Sandra's plea about how, you know, how expensive it is to, you know, to, to, to be a single mom and have your kids and, and want to go to the doctor and you can't afford it. it it's it's when you have insurance. That scares me. That crazy. scares me, you know, that, that parents can't take kids to the doctor because you're afraid you know you can't afford it like that is in, in, in a country as affluent as america that should not be the case 
One of the practices, I'm just going to share this, and this is an off-the-record, on-the-record practice, but I have two friends in town who are nurses, Mm -hmm. and they tell me that they get a call sometimes once a day from a local parent saying, this is the symptoms my kid has. Do I need to take them to the doctor? Mm-hmm. And these nurses say, look, I can't advise you, And but if it was my kid, I would wait. I would, yes, I would know. And they're violating their nursing license every time, but they know that these parents have to make the decision between food on their plate, paying their mortgage, paying their car payment, or taking their sick child to the doctor. Well, that is something that we do have here. It's called telehealth. And you can call up telehealth. It is staffed by nurses. And you can give the symptoms of your child. I think my son, you know, drank poison or whatever it is. And they will tell you what to do. And so that is that is a free service, and I think that's wonderful because you know what? It although healthcare is free, it's not free like Linda said. And you you know you can't just have all of these you know run run an emergency room like it's like it's a clinic. You know, like my kid has a cold. Figure it out before you come. You know, triage. Uh, I agree with that. You know, and and so they should have more of that. They should have more uh, programs like that where people can call, parents can call in. Hey, you know what? You didn't. You're not a doctor. You don't have a license. Linda, you said that, um, or sorry, Kathy, you said that in uh, Bethesda Health Clinic, uh, it's the antidote I, to the healthcare crisis. Yeah, we, the people, those of us who volunteer and give donations to the Bethesda Health Clinic, we call it the antidote to the healthcare crisis. And it's a wonderful little clinic that started in one of the churches here, and then they they allowed all the churches and all the community to participate in growing this beautiful little clinic. And now it's become quite big, actually, and the hospitals here love it because they treat, they have a very defined mission, and and they complement another organization called St. Paul's, which is a little Catholic church in town, and they, they began a ministry for children. So the Bethesda Health Clinic does the Adults and the and St. Paul takes the children and all the doctors in town volunteer at these two clinics and take referrals from them, and then the whole community supports it. But the main thing that is so popular here, especially in Smith County, Texas, they take no government funding at all. So people really step up to help that because we're so committed to people helping themselves here. That, yeah, Sandra. Well, you know, I look at that and I think that would be so great and that would probably work really well in the small town I grew up with. But if you tried to do that in L.A. or New York City or Chicago, like what a stampede. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is, because one of the things and this is where I'm going to go back on Mr. Trump and say, We have everything in this country from small towns to huge cities. We have real problems that need real solutions, and they're really complicated. There's no one-size-fits-all. We're not Switzerland in a little teeny, Mm -hmm. teeny pocket of the world. And we've got big problems that need to be solved in the healthcare crisis they're stuff that needs to start somewhere. And it's so great that Kathy Kraftke brings up what's being done in Bethesda, because you know what? If we can create a thousand Bethesdas in the United States, hey, guess what? It it offloads from the from the uh, emergency rooms. It offloads from the, the, the medical uh, bills that have to be generated and the medical billing. And, you know, it, it, we've got a mess. And the other thing happens is, Kathy, what do they do? Do people, when they come into the clinic, do they ask them for ID? Yes, they do. They do. Fact, you have to have a tax return. 
So they have to be a legal citizen to be treated. They have, they have to be, they have to have a job and that gets complicated. And I, I do want to share, I have a, something called the Bethesda brief that I created to send to all our elected officials so we could export this idea. I just think it's so fabulous and it works so well here. And honestly, our politicians haven't been that interested in hearing from me. But in in Tyler, the way they do that in Smith County is you have to have a job, which sounds harsh, but they also have a business that they've created that sells recycled clothing. And so it, they plug people into that and they get them job skills. And we also they also complement. So, for instance, is a single say. Say I'm 58 years old, which I am, and I suddenly get a divorce, and I go to Christian Women's Job Corps to get training. Whether I have a job or not, Bethesda will take me as a client. If I go to the crisis center here, Bethesda will take me as a client. If I'm on the street, homeless, and I find my way to the Salvation Army, Bethesda, and I still don't have a job, Bethesda will still take me as a patient. So they co- we co- one thing we do in East Texas is we collaborate. Our nonprofits here do not overlap if we can, ha- like, there is a real commitment to that goal of not overlapping services. Nice. Um, just, I don't think we have that much time left, but I wanted to, I wanted to just talk for a moment about um, one more one more policy that's going to be decided in the next four weeks for Trump, and it's about the undocumented immigrants. Now, you know, he Trump was asked, um, should they worry? Are you going to send them away? They've lived here, kids who were born, whatever. Are you going to send them away? And he says, well, I have a big heart. And and he goes, well, should they be worried? He goes, well, they shouldn't be worried. I have a big heart, but I'm not going to say anything until um, you know it's been decided. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> is he or isn't he? No, because here's some of the issues, and I, I, I'm really close to this because I, I have a family member who married into a heavily immigrant family here in California, and you've got five or six kids that are American citizens. The mother came here illegally, brought across the border by some of our big fruit growers. You know, they were transported here by American business in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then all of a sudden now, if you didn't get in that amnesty, you're in trouble. So I think there's going to be so many lawsuits preventing him from just coming in and scooping up all these illegal immigrants who've been here, some of them since the 1950s, who were brought here by American companies. I mean, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, a class action lawsuit. And I really don't think he cares so much about the gardeners and the housekeepers, the people who are working, but the people here who commit crimes, they're easy to deport. They're pretty easy to identify because they're and I think that's the; those are the people that everybody's mad about. Nobody's mad at the manicurists and the nannies and the housekeepers and the people who are coming here like our, our my family did as service people, shop mm-hmm. owners, butchers, a nanny, a housekeeper. You know, we all came at some point. Now, granted, my family came legally, but only a couple generations ago, not, not any farther than my grandparents. So... I think it's one of those things where it's also got to be reasonable. Where are you going to fund all this stuff? How are you going to fund the wall? How are you going to fund the illegal immigrant transport home? I mean, at the end of the day, Trump is talking about all this stuff, but nobody's calculating up the price tag. And quite frankly, without the funding, it'll be like the California high-speed rail. It'll be 13 years into it, and we will still not have a train. And That's right. It's, it's more of political dollars. theatrics. 
Um, yeah. And yes, you can't break. I mean, you can't break up the families. They've been here twenty years or twenty-five years or however years, many years they they were here. Their kids are are uh, been born in America. America. What are they going to do? Yeah. Come in and, and send their parents back to wherever to Mexico? I mean, and and you know what? All of all of the people have have used. You know, they in Connecticut. You know, it's cheaper labor. I mean, the, the, these yep. guys are contractors. They they're building walls. They're doing all of this thing. I mean, they're not hurting anybody. They're, they're, but you know what? But they live in their own um, enclave because they're they're always looking over their shoulder to make sure that somebody isn't noticing. So they're so careful and they're so you know they're wonderful, wonderful people. And he's not going to come after them. I I doubt it very, very much. I think there would be a public outcry. You know, one of my pet peeves is that my, my husband has relatives in Idaho who have a farm. They have a big dairy farm, and they hire. Um, Mexican laborers. And yet, you know, we go into town and one of those people have opened up a storefront and they go, those damn people open up a store. Like, how, how dare they open up a store in our town? Like, they hate that there's immigrants. They hate that there's illegal, but they but they love them to work on their farm because nobody else would do it. I mean, it's such a That's dichotomy. Right. It's such a diverse dichotomy. I mean, it's crazy. Drives the me price insane. is right. Yeah, the price is right. Yeah, but how dare they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another sister-in-law, she got amnesty. She was Thai and she came here with five kids. And now, you know, she's a very successful restaurant in Oregon, very successful. You know, tr- you know, she went through one of the, I think it was Reagan, you know, had an amnesty. So she got it. She was here illegal, um, happily contributing to the country. And, and the people love her and they love her food. And, you know, God bless them. We have one minute till the end of the show. Whoever wants to take it and say whatever they want, go ahead. I will say, tell. Anybody here gets to work. <laughs> get to work. If America gets to work, if we all get up every morning and do our best and work hard and contribute to the economy, play fair, we will be back to the greatest nation on earth. I say be kind. You know what? Be kind to people. It doesn't matter where they come from. Just yeah, be kind. I think, I think less arguing and more conversation. Mm, I like that. I like that a lot. You know, you can have diversity. Look at Canada. We're a very diverse country. We all seem to get along. And um, I think differences make for good, make for good community. I like it. And, and uh, New York City is the same. We got 15 seconds. Anyway, thank you for joining our show today, Kathy, Sandra, Linda. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for your opinions. Um, I loved it. And you know what? We didn't argue. Isn't that great? It can be done. <laughs> See you next week on Frankie Sense and More. She know you, she the one way to turn the world around. She know you, she the one.